Produced by women about women, Powerful Women Let's Talk is a series of interviews with women who are trailblazers and have helped shape our world, transforming who we are and how we live. Dr. Nancy Summers began her tenure as music director of West Michigan New Horizons Music Ensembles back in 2001. In addition to her work with New Horizons, she holds the position of principal oboe in the St. Louis Municipal Opera Theater Orchestra. And of course, there's much more on the resume, but I really wonder if she misses her days of water ballet. So there we are, Miss Synchronized Swimmer. Dr. Summers, good morning. Welcome to this edition of Powerful Women Let's Talk. Thank you so much for the invitation to come down here and share some time with you. Well, powerful woman, there we are. You synchronized, swam for a while. Yes, ma'am. I did. In college, it was a very compelling opportunity. I could take it as a class, and uh, it was beautiful. It requires all of the control that we as musicians use, uh, the breathing and the the perfect balance. It was it was just lovely. Oh. I did things that I just was amazed as a team we could do. When did you pick up your first oboe? I was in uh, seventh grade, I think. Yes, and I don't really remember it because I had a flute in my hand and I was struggling with that and uh, music. The band director said, let's see if you'd like to play the oboe. And he asked my parents about it, and they said, absolutely not. And he asked me about it, and I said, oh, bring it on. Therein lies the the relationship. Mm -hmm. Tell me when you knew you were good enough to pursue this as an adult and even to today. Well, I'll let you know when that happens. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Something's working. I knew that I loved it immensely. Uh, my parents would take me to concerts and I would be so stunned by how beautiful the tuning note was because in an orchestra, the tuning note comes from the oboe. And I would just sit there and, and melt in my chair just from the beauty of that sound. I connected very deeply very early on and I wanted that more than anything. Mm, love it. So what was the educational pursuit? Well, the first thing was to study with a professional oboist, and I had the good fortune of having several of them and a lot of good guidance along the way. But I was very fortunate, too, to be able to go to Interlaken as an international student because I lived out of state. So it was an eight-week commitment, and I did the first time as a middle schooler, an intermediate camper, uh, 14, eight weeks away from home. You would have thought that I, you know, I would have been homesick. Not at all. Not at all. I fell even more deeply in love with the instrument. And at that time, there were some very influential people there. I learned a lot. I practiced and I loved it even more intensely. And the people that I was there as a camper with have gone on and done fabulous things. They've held beautiful positions in orchestras Hmm. around the world. And now you have a doctorate. I do. I do. I was uh, driven to learn the educational aspect of things, but also to, um, they call it a terminal degree, and there's probably a good reason for that. If you don't die when you're working on it, then you get the degree and it opens up other worlds for you. It's not just performing, but it is that you're certainly qualified to do that. 
um, if you want a life of performing in an orchestra, you do have to do the auditions. But if you're an educator and you want to do both playing and teaching, you are qualified to teach at the um, upper levels, the Mm -hmm. college. So bring me to your career journey. Well, it's been a long and um, multi-level thing. I um, finished the degree, and I was teaching only part-time at one of the area colleges, and it wasn't really enough to sustain a living, a life, and so I moved back to St. Louis, which is where I grew up, and a lot of my early studies took place. And through one thing and another, I was able to um, to forge some sort of a, a freelance career. And I did a lot of playing with the St. Louis Symphony and with the um, Opera Theater of St. Louis and started freelancing. And then took the audition for the orchestra where I play still all these years later, uh, the Muni Opera Orchestra. Yes, those auditions passing yes. with the five stars. But yet I've seen you conducting, directing, mm-hmm. and look what you've made for yourself now. How did you get to this podium of yours? Interesting that I was, I, I was offered an opportunity in high school, and I had to really think back on this because it seems like I have always conducted. I've always done something of that nature. Um, High school, there was a brass choir going to solo an ensemble, and they needed somebody to keep the beat together, and so I did. And I really loved that. I remember the piece that we did and just standing there in the middle of all of that. Beautiful sound. This was high school. This was probably not all that beautiful, but to me it was very beautiful to stand in the middle of that and hear it all. Mm. So uh, that was on the radar. And certainly um, when I sit in the orchestra and experience a number of conductors, I pick up good things. I pick up brilliant things and the not so good. So I, I forged some sort of a playing career. Also as a soloist, I have done some uh, solo recitals. And uh, then I've invited friends to come along and join me. Nice. So a yes. lot of different opportunities. And how are you spending your days today? Today I'm spending it with you and studying some scores, trying to get my home studio back in, back a little bit organized. We bring plants in from the outside. They've been out all summer. Now they're transitioning in the garage and being debugged and whatever. And I want to rearrange them so they're in the bay window next to the grand piano. Tell me about your ensemble and, well, what you've created with this niche. It is a, an international organization. We are part of that. We're the Grand Rapids chapter. There may be another two in Michigan. But we got an opportunity to uh, to build this, and what's unique about it is it's for adults or anyone who considers him or herself to be an adult. Yes. A lot of our players are retired. Some are semi-retired. But we do have a student from Grand Valley playing with us this semester. When and where do you play in general? It's, it's a year-long commitment, right? It's uh, nine months. Mm-hmm. It's We start in September and we finish up in May. The last thing we do is go out to Muskegon to the um, submarine out there and play for a Memorial Day weekend uh, ceremony. It's called the Lost Boat Ceremony, honoring all the submarines that were lost during World War II. And what do you see in your uh, 
in your performers. Uh, many, I would think, perhaps hadn't picked up their trumpet for 10 years, 20 years maybe. Yes. What's that happiness you see in their face? I see the, the connection with something from their past or the opportunity to try something brand new and nobody's going to laugh at them. We all experience this uh, laughter, congenial laughter, in rehearsals when someone does something kind of splat. But we also are known to break out in, in applause when one of the sections does something so, so beautifully. It's wonderful to see grandparents uh, coming together and playing, and in our audience, we'll see their grandchildren and their children. It's like, it's just a brand new thing, a way of learning as adults. Was there a challenge in making your own way to the podium? Yes. Um, Part of it is that I was a woman, and that's just a fact of life. I had an interview, two phone interviews, with someone uh, for a group, and uh, then I didn't hear back. And um, eventually I called that person who had interviewed me, and the answer was, well, we've decided we don't want a woman conductor. And I literally held the phone out from my ear and said, you're just now figuring out that I'm a woman? So even in our lifetime, there is that. So it was not really so much a struggle for me because I really wasn't interested in doing this as a full-time thing. I was more in tune with my oboe. Mm. Yet you pursued it and look at you now. Yes. Yes. I've been afforded many opportunities and I'm not a traditional conductor in that way of walk up to the podium, here's your professional orchestra. It's not that for me. It's a um, we're all in this boat together and we sink or we swim with everyone. So let's let's work as a team. Well, speaking of swimming, what did get you into synchronized swimming way back when? Oh, I always loved the pool. Um, my parents started me in, in swimming classes just as a little tadpole, um, the Y, the local Y. I don't picture you as a tadpole. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, nice that visual. was the very first one. <laughs> but the swimming was always a part of what I did. I didn't do any other sports. Um, and then, you know, junior life-saving, senior life-saving, water safety instructor, um, all of those things. And then uh, a little bit of scuba diving. So water was a friend. Yes. When I got to college, there was that opportunity for something unique in the water. Now bring it up to a little bit more recent times, and aqua yoga is a passion, just a passion. It's so beautifully crafted. Never lose that foundation. All right, very first time flying, you were 14. You traveled alone in in an electrical storm. Finish the sentence. (laughs) Help. I remember they passed out uh, gum for us to chew because of the air pressure. That's how long ago it was. Now that's, you know, putting us back. It was a very small plane. I was leaving Interlaken for the first time, flying to Chicago, and we sat on the ground in Traverse City for way too long. I missed my connection. There I was in O'Hare, a 14-year-old. Now what do I do? Okay, Nancy, you've been given a brain. Figure it out. Okay, then I need to go see somebody who knows something. So 
I did. There's our learning lesson. And I understand you bet on horses at age four. Is that legal? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember that they asked, <laughs> but my grandfather helped me very, uh, very much in learning how to read the Daily Double and which horses would be good to bet on. And yeah. And what about your trips to France? Again, there's that sense of adventure. I have that sense of adventure in every time I sit down and play my oboe in an orchestra or any kind of situation. But that that thing about France, um, Larry and I have a friend who is, um, she was all things French. I think now she's all things Italian. And she said, let's go to France. Let's bike in France. said, I'm on. I'm on, yeah. How do I train for this? But I went to the pool, and I started swimming, <laughs> seriously swimming, to, to uh, build up tolerance for this. But, yeah, the three of us got on a plane with backpacks and, and a book that said Cycling the Waterways of France. No plans, didn't know how far we'd get each day, but we did um, five days on the road, technically, uh, 160 miles. And we stopped where we found a place. Wonderful. Yeah. Yep. I bet you do it again. Lastly, when it comes to your fun fact, obviously in this business you meet people. Who have you rubbed elbows with? A lot of people from uh, the film screens, uh, singing and dancing. People such as Rex Harrison, who made My Fair Lady his. Uh, He just owned that. So we did five shows of, uh, or five weeks of Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady in St. Louis. And um, then also the beauty of uh, Yul Brenner. that Ooh. what a gentleman, what a magnificent actor. Not much of a singer, as we know, but he truly owned that, the king of the king and I. Wonderful. So, and there have been a lot of others, Carol Channing, Phyllis Diller. Those are the, <laughs> the fun. Yeah, we have a lot of fun with them. Live life to the fullest. How does a young Nancy Summers find her passion? How do we instill this love for an instrument, an animal, uh, 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 pursuing a law degree? How, does this, how do we make sure this continues to happen for young gals? I think exposure early on. My parents understood the, the value of that, whether it was sports, uh, any kind of uh, physical activity or any kind of mental activity, exposure to concerts, exposure to uh, church. All kinds of things are out there. They don't have to cost a lot of money. But it's the overall exposure, and you'll have that eye-opening experience perhaps in school where there's a passion. You connect deeply with that, and it hits your soul in a way that says, I have to have this, absolutely have to have this. You are a powerful woman, a powerful leader in our community. Dr. Nancy Summers, thank you for this time. Thank you, Shelley. Produced by women, about women. These powerful podcasts focus on powerful women and how their strength transforms who we are and how we live. Want to hear more powerful women Let's Talk? Get additional interviews at WGVU.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and subscribe.
Powerful Women Let's Talk is produced by WGVU at the Meyer Public Broadcast Center at Grand Valley State University. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of WGVU, its underwriters, or Grand Valley State University.